Welcome back to the Family Law Now podcast. Today we are entering into episode two on the issue of spousal support. In episode one, we spent a lot of time talking about entitlement. We talked about the spousal support advisory guidelines. We took a look at some examples and some scenarios on how support will play out. We've talked briefly about conduct and we're going to continue our conversation today. I'm glad to be joined once again by Jason Eisenberg. Thank you very much. And Nafisa Nazarelli. Thank you. Thanks for helping out today with this podcast, guys. Let's continue. So we have a third calculation, Nafisa, 20 years. All right, so what's the good news or bad news, depending on what end of the support claim you are uh, at here? Right. For, so again, with a 20-year, what I find interesting with uh, in comparing the two uh, SAG calculations is that your low, your mid, your high range of spousal support stays the same. So irrespective of whether it's a nine-year relationship or a 20-year relationship, the same money is available. And so the spousal support doesn't change um, in, in this scenario where you have the children living with the recipient. So that's an important sort of um, point to make. Uh, and again, like Jason explained, it's because we're looking at net disposable income and um, the duration of the marriage will not affect the fact that there's 1471 of the uh, payor's dollars going towards uh, child support. Uh, and that's an important consideration here. Shelf life changes though. Yep. So it, it, is, it does change. So indefinite uh, duration, whereas the other one is 4.5. So in this case, I mean, because of the fact that it's a long-term relationship, we're looking at uh, kind of an, in a scenario where right now the children are fairly young, eight and ten. Let's say um, you know the, the child that's ten uh, finishes high school, decides that they don't want to uh, pursue post-secondary, um, and now you're only uh, the payers paying child support only for one child. At that point, I mean the duration is is always going to be indefinite because you meet the rule sixty-five in this scenario, the twenty-year scenario. Um, and then you could reevaluate at that point whether um, the, the spousal support should go up, and, and likely it should. And the interesting um, concept behind all this is the the one at nine years mm-hmm. might be in and out of his or her child and spousal support obligation after ten years, and then get a clean break. So, um, the twenty-year relationship, the child support is going to stop. Your spousal support is going to go on, continue. It's likely going to increase, mm-hmm. and, and it's go, going to be indefinite. And we go to the without child support formula at that point. You'd switch gears, right? But, once your once both kids are are off of this scenario, right? Great tips, thank you. So let's just briefly review the lump sum payments. Um, well, can I say one thing about NDI? Sure. So I think like you know this is where the NDI really comes in mm-hmm. because I, look, I'm not a computer expert and I don't work for the software company, but. Um, these scenarios, low, mid, high, people always, the payer wants to gravitate towards the low, the, mm-hmm. payer, the recipient wants to gravitate towards the high, and people presume a judge goes mid because it's fair. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, mm-hmm. you gotta look at these NDIs, and I will have scenarios like, the, not this one obviously, but the low has the payer with more of the NDI than the recipient, that would never happen. So low isn't going to work in that scenario. Then I've seen high scenarios where, the recipient has got like 58 or 60 percent of the NDI with two children or one child. That's not going to happen either. So, mm-hmm. you know, the low and the middle high reason why I said it should be purple, green, or orange, whatever I said, is that they don't help with those words. I think you need to look at the numbers. You need to look at how the NDI breaks down because that doesn't that doesn't have any connotation. It doesn't have low sounds good to me because I'm paying, and high right. sounds good because I'm receiving. And, and that's where it becomes really important, Jason, to have the expertise of, of a professional, right? Because when when someone comes in. 
um, knowing how to work with the program and change these net disposable income so that you do have a scenario where you're actually looking at, okay, 50-50 split NDI, it changes the amount of spousal support that you owe. Routinely, like if you go online and you plug in the numbers, you wouldn't know that you could do that, right? So right. you would just gravitate towards the low, the mid, the high, and then you wouldn't have the, the nuances of being able to figure out, okay, well, maybe that, that's not where we want to land. You may not even know what NDI is. That's right. right. Yeah. 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 Interpreting these calculations it's, are difficult. It's these unknown knowns. I've had case management judges uh, direct me to do custom NDIs. That's right. So the judge wanted to see the recipient come in at around 52, mm -hmm. 53, 54%. Yes. Uh, and none of these percentages show up on these sample calculations. That's right. But what the judge is thinking here is uh, a sense of fairness, knowing mm -hmm. that there's now two households that need to be, uh, budgets that need to be met, two sets of rents or mortgages, and they want the kids to have a comparable environment in both homes. Mm -hmm. So we see these custom NDIs coming in. That's a really good tip, Jason. Mm -hmm. And again, like Nafisa is saying, all these factors uh, affect the life insurance you should be considering. It's gonna affect lump sum payments, if that's something you wanna consider, and lump sum payment on spousal support. Mm -hmm. Courts are reluctant to order lump sum payments for child support. Again, this is not a podcast about child support. We're <laughs> going to cover that, cover that off in another day. Um, so this is a great start. We've talked about entitlement. We've talked about uh, spouses and how they're defined. We've talked about need and ability to pay. We've had a great dive into the spousal support advisory guidelines and some of the factors that we've considered. We've ran several scenarios, and these will be on show notes at the end of this recording. You can download them. Um, the next thing I want to dive into are types of support orders. Um, and uh, there's a bunch of different types of support orders. There's different consequences for each. Generally speaking, when you, if you go to court and a judge is asked to make a support order, it's almost always temporary until they get to a trial where there's a full evidentiary basis. I find they're always generally on the high side uh, in terms of the quantum, in terms of what they order. They want to try to maintain some stability in both homes. But maybe, Jason, you can tell us, what's the distinction between a temporary and a final order, and what do people need to consider? Well, from what I understand, judges are looking at the incomes of the parties at the time when they're deciding temporary orders. Um, so a lot of people come in and say, you know, I had a good year, I had a bad year. Uh, um, some of that may matter, some of it won't. I mean, you're probably looking at what are you earning at the current time. And then as far as a temporary order, I think a judge is supposed to consider what um, the likelihood of support would be at the end of a trial. And are you going to get it or not? If you're going to get it, then they're going to make an order um, and they're going to uh, not necessarily look for that full evidentiary uh, basis. It can always be, it's always temporary, meaning that, look, it could be changed at some point by a trial judge. Um, or they might say it could get adjusted retroactively. Yes. So, I mean, you know, I think judges um, are, as you said, trying to um, level the playing field as far as the money. Make sure going forward we both have the same amount of, you know, similar money in the homes, similar ability to litigate the matter. Um, it, it's just getting the dollars flowing because I find clients sometimes don't want to pay spousal support. I get that. But then when we come to a settlement and it's been nine months and you haven't paid it, and in some of these scenarios, nine months of payments can be like, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, we've got a settlement. Oh, what about those nine months you didn't pay support or the right. year or the 18 months? And it's like, 
I didn't think about mm -hmm. that. Now we're in trouble and we don't have a settlement anymore. Right. So it's good to get these orders and to get and, the dollars flowing. And if the case goes on for a number of years, you might lose your tax relief. Mm -hmm. That's uh, the other problem. That's available yes. for those support. Mm -hmm. All right, so I just want to do a little cross-examination here. Oh, we okay. all get the clients who don't mm -hmm. like the order, yes. right? Or they didn't like the judge, or they didn't feel that they had their day in court when they, the judge made a proper order. Okay. They say, okay, well, let's bring another order. This is temporary. Let's get a new temporary order. Uh, What's the likelihood of that? <laughs> temporary well, is usually from the motion date to trial date, but exactly. what are the chances of changing it if it's something egregious according to your client? Very low, unless something changes. Like, I mean, you're going to say to a judge, here's, all, here's what we got. Putting best foot forward, and they don't like what you have to say, they've made a choice. And right. if you come forward and say, hey, uh, that happened on Friday, I want a different decision on Thursday, not going to happen. You've got to show them that between Friday and Thursday, something changed. There could be some cost consequences associated with You're that. wasting everyone's time. Now, there could be genuine change. Somebody could lose their job, become yes. hospitalized. The children could uh, change homes. That's right. Yeah. So there are situations where it could be changed. Those are the type of things you're looking at. Right. Like, I mean, you know, all things being equal. Um, the same facts are going before a different judge. You're not going to succeed. But well, if you have something... Yeah material to the income sort of to the family arrangements and mm -hmm. possible yeah i think the key is materials what you know you move to your point um if you, if you move from one house to another house and your mortgage went up because you just bought a more expensive home i don't think anyone's going to be listening to you that's not material i mean you know i mean if, if it was because it was something about the needs of the children maybe but right. you're looking at a scenario where look, I lost my job or, or uh, you know, the children changed homes, something where a judge was looking at these factors, looking at the incomes, where the kids are, what the needs of the party at the time were, and all of a sudden you fast forward and go, wait a second, um, that's entirely different now. It could result in something entirely different. Mm -hmm. That's when you might want to review. Yeah, great and, and usually temporary orders are, are provided sort of like an emotion where you're making arguments. It could be a completely different outcome when you actually are in trial. You have your day in court. You have the evidence. You know, credibility is in question, um, and and that's why they're temporary because you know they're the, the judges are really relying on motion materials to make those decisions, um, and they may not necessarily have all of the evidence uh, necessary right. to make the, the proper decision, which is the final order. And the material hasn't been tested. Usually the affidavits right. are inconsistent. There's, There's been no cross-examination. No cross-examination. No cross um, and, and a lot of times with temporary orders, um, it, 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 like Jason said, it's based on the information that's available at the time. And right. uh, judges try really hard to, to work within um, the confines of what's presented at a motion for, for temporary spousal support. So what's the final order in the fee? So what should uh, listeners expect when it says final? Well, when it says final, it, it really, uh, that's it in terms of that proceeding. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's final forever because, you know, there's some flexibility with all, um, with all circumstances. Like Jason said, if there's a material change in circumstances and it's six months past your final order, you can bring it back to court. For example, if you lose your job, um, if the children um, move away, you can also set um, review provisions within the final order as to when that will be reviewed. So for example, if someone's going to be retiring, you could say that that will be a material change in circumstance and that will be reviewed at that time. So your final order is really important in making sure that um, you know the, the, the terms of that order really represent um, what it is that um, the set of circumstances, and again, um, if it's done on consent, so usually um, you'd want to make sure that uh, you're, you're tying loose ends and you're, you're covering your bases. 
And sometimes a final order may contain a review mechanism of some That's sort. That's exactly it, yeah. It may say two years down the road, we're going to take another look at this, mm -hmm. or if incomes fluctuate 25%, that could trigger yeah. a review. I mean, final is not necessarily final when, we, when we're talking right. about spousal <laughs> support. Um, there's always a way to kind of bring it back and review it, um, because if it would be final, it, there, there are circumstances where that would be unfair. Sure. Mm -hmm. So we hear a lot of talk, uh, well, I do about lump sum orders. So this is a scenario where, you know, the payer says, uh, just pay them a fixed amount so mm -hmm. I don't need to deal with this mm -hmm. anymore. What are the consequences of a lump sum order, Jason? What are some of the pros and cons? And Well, they're, they're, they're sometimes risky and sometimes amazing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what benefits Let's Start people. with the tax consequence. First. Okay, so the tax consequence is that when we say support, spousal support payments are tax deductible or tax inclusive, we mean if you're paying it pursuant to a court order or an agreement. If you aren't paying it pursuant to a court agreement, then it isn't. And the problem, that has to be a like a periodic payment. So like every month or some period of time. If you're paying in a lump sum, no one's going to let you take that lump sum and say, oh, I just paid $50,000 to my spouse. I want to take... 50,000 of my income and say, don't tax me Revenue Canada. They won't let you. The rules are lump sum payments, not tax deductible. So the problem we have is, is that if my client were to pay $50,000 as a lump sum, that would cost them a lot more if they had paid it $50,000 for $1,000 a month over the next 50 months, because right. they get the tax deduction. So we have to take the tax out. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that it is being paid in one shot. No one's declaring the tax taxable income or deduction. So we have so to you need to gross it up or down. Yeah, the recipient is going to obviously, in our scenario, for example, the $25,000 earner getting spousal will be taxed much lower on it than the $100,000 earner would be able to write off. If they're both declaring that as income or a deduction, we don't care. Rev Canada, Rev, Revenue Canada figures that out. But if we're doing a lump sum and it's only one payment like that, we have to balance the difference between what the payers will save in tax and what the recipient will have to pay in tax. And if we just picked the recipient's you know, tax payment, that's gonna be unfair to the payer, pitch just the payer's benefit, that'd be, I'm sorry, the, the, what they save, that would be unfair to the recipient. So these scenarios we attach to in the notes talk about lump sums, they talk about payers after tax cost, recipients after tax benefit, and the midpoint. The midpoint's just the difference, the midpoint between those two right. scenarios. And that's usually, I mean, not always, but somewhere where we might lie with, uh, with lump sum payments. And I guess one of the advantages if you're receiving the lump sum, the payer may die, mm -hmm. the payer may lose their job, you may repartner, mm -hmm. your income may go up, so there's some certainty there. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of spouses, it gives them some capital to move on. They may be able to purchase a home, depending on the size of the payment, or pay down debt. Uh, I guess the disadvantage is the payer's income could go up, they could work much longer than they are saying. They might say, I'm going to retire at 55 and work to 65. Mm -hmm. And if it's a 20-year marriage, then that lump sum may turn out to be a pretty bad deal. Mm -hmm. There's risk. I mean, what I commonly ask my clients if they want one or want to receive one is, who does this benefit more? Mm -hmm. If it benefits you more, think about it. If it benefits your spouse more, you might want to say no. And a lot right. of times you need the capital to pay it off, right? So you, you look at, okay, what is... 
what is the benefit? Are you the support recipient or the support payer? And if you're the support payer, for example, you want to say, okay, do I have dollars to pay this off on, on a one-shot deal? A lot of times I have clients wanting a lump sum when they want a clean break. Right, so yes. they want to kind of <clears throat> do a one, 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 um, one payment and, and really um, have um, no, nothing to do with the other spouse. And, and sometimes that's, um, they're willing to, to pay that even though I advise that you know, there may be a material change in circumstances which you could get if you pay on a monthly basis. So. And they get closure. And sometimes right. some clients, it's the most important thing. You know, this is emotionally and psychologically trying. That's right. They're going to have to pay their lawyer another ten or $25,000 in five years mm -hmm. to do a review. The outcome of that process is uncertain. Um, and this can be very difficult for people to live through day to day. Yeah, I mean, there, there's so many benefits that are monetary. There's benefits that are, uh, you know, for your own psyche, but those risks apply as well. You could be making a huge mistake. And in most scenarios, what you have to think about is if I'm locking my payment in for a period of time, one year, two years, 20 years, what could change in between? Mm -hmm. And if what could change is my income or the other person's mm -hmm. income, my, their relationship status, mm -hmm. if they're receiving the money, mm -hmm. my health, their health, uh, what happens with the children, what happens with the world. Mm -hmm. So if you think you can predict what's going to happen 20 years from now, then I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that. Or your your industry may, uh, may change. May go, we may can change. have a global market meltdown again and no one's buying anything and salespeople are making nothing. Right. Like you don't know what's going to happen. So if you can't predict with pretty clear certainty that nothing will change between today's date and when that lump sum is supposed to be representing an end, you might not want to take that risk. But I also think it really depends on the length of the relationship, right? Like, so I, I find with lump sums, if it's, you know, less than five years, no children, you know, sometimes the lump sum is the way to go. So I think it, it's factual. It, you have to look at your facts and you have to look at your clients' goals and interests, right? And we advise them uh, what we think, but at the end of the day, I think it's really important to to really look at, okay, what are your clients' goals? And, um, you know, if, if it's a short-term relationship and, and it's not that much and they can afford it, you know, I would say. And I've had it. clients who, um, have problems managing money, mm -hmm. they have addiction issues, uh, a lump sum payment mm -hmm. I know would be gone in three or four months, mm -hmm. unfortunately, because of their lifestyle they're living. So maybe sometimes a monthly payment, knowing that it's going to be there each month to mm -hmm. meet their needs uh, over a period of time is sometimes better for them. Ultimately, it's the client's choice, but that's mm -hmm. other considerations that's that you right. need to in our examples here are the one where it is no children to your relationship that's probably the best candidate for a lump sum not I because it's a small number but because what's going to happen in one to two years that's different and right. the likelihood is very small that's no right. kids no change no nothing mm -hmm. the one that's the worst example for lump sum it's not just because of the dollars is the 20-year relationship with two children because it's a 20-year period you're paying and retirement can happen, uh, illness, accident, children could fall off the map. You're locking that payment for 20 years. Someone's income could increase a lot. You could want more money. So The parties are older know. too, right? Health, yeah. health concerns come in and, and right. all that. So there's too much risk, too much risk in that scenario to say a lump sum would happen. And, and most likely you're in front of a judge. They're not going to consider lump sums in that scenario. Mm -hmm. But in the one, one or two-year relationship with no children, they might be talking about doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a great point. And I, even there's so many moving parts here. These are just, this is just one case scenario we're presenting uh, in this podcast. 
But if you play around with the ages too, if, if, these, if this is a young couple, 25, 30 years old, there's an expectation they're going to be able to re-enter the workforce and mm-hmm. generate income. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just, and there's just so many scenarios that go into these uh, considerations mm-hmm. that I know Nafisa mentioned it. It's really important you get some good legal advice mm-hmm. if you're considering a lump sum payment or a periodic order. Uh, because there's just so much in play. Mm-hmm. Well, even like you were saying about reviews, uh, I just wanted to add in that sometimes people do build an Ottoman equity, some judges do, and, mm-hmm. and that could be very important because we talked earlier on temporary orders. You're not going to change a temporary order unless there's a material that's happened, mm-hmm. right? If you build in a review, you get over that material change hump. You don't have to right. show a material change. You can say, bam, my time has come We've for me to review. To I'm allowed to just come in if I want and review it, and maybe I don't get what I want, but I don't, the material change hump, getting over that prevents a lot of people from reviewing orders. Right. And I think we might have lost some of our listeners here. <laughs> uh, material change is a specific legal term that has uh, special meaning in family law. Mm-hmm. You want to flush that out a bit for us, mm-hmm. Nafisa? Well, yeah, so material change is something that's, you know, it, it's, it's something that has to have some substance. So um, a huge um, increase in income, for example, for, let's say, compensatory um, spousal support would likely be a material change. Um, a retirement sometimes is a, a material change. Um, children uh, moving away from the home is a material change. So the case law sort of outlines, um, there, there's case law that outlines what is a material change in circumstances for the purposes of um, revising or reviewing um, uh, spousal support. So again, we all turn to the case law and there's there are cases that will say this this is a material change and then you find a case that says it's not. So it's up to the lawyer to really interpret the law and to provide you with the, with the actual um, sort of opinion as to whether what you're bringing forth is a material right. change. So. Uh, another example could be that a health issue. So if you uh, are unable to work because of a health issue, that could be considered a material change. Um, and another one that comes to my mind is, um, you know, if, if um, you got into a car accident and again, unable to work, that could be a material change in circumstance. Um, I just like to uh, make sure that if you have a final order or a temporary order and during that time something material has happened, you have to make sure that you're continuing to pay your um, the spousal support as per the order until you review the um, review the order. You're on the hook for that money until you get another order providing for a new amount. So just make sure that you're you're not deciding in your head, oh, I've retired, so all of a sudden I've met the material change in circumstance, and so now I don't have to pay my $500 amount of in spousal support. That's not how it works. And if you're entering into a temporary or final order, mm-hmm. you can put all these meat and potatoes in there. You can mm-hmm. say, this is what a material change is. Yep. This is what we're prepared to review or trigger review. And you can craft your order to reflect mm-hmm. all these things that Nafis is talking about. Yes. Well, we've covered a lot off in this second episode. I want to thank our guest speakers, Jason and Nafisa, for joining me today. We've talked a bit a lot. We've looked at the entitlement. We've looked at support. We've looked at scenarios. Obviously, spousal support is a very complicated issue. We're going to finish this discussion off in episode three. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to us on familyllb.com. And if you've enjoyed this series on spousal support, please share it with your friends and colleagues.